Um, uh, I guess I'll wait for him to talk about Lindstrom. Sad news for people in Detroit with uh, Nicholas Lindstrom retiring. Uh, certainly, in my opinion, uh, one of the top defensemen to ever play the game. And I thought the New York Times had a very interesting uh, tribute to him, or story that was entitled, Nice Guys Finish First Occasionally. Uh, this, of course, is a famous quip from uh, a uh, relatively weird manager named Leo DeRocher. He came up with the famous quip, Nice Guys Finish Last. He was a sort of pesky, uh, pugilistic type of manager, but his claim to fame was that he uh, was the manager when Willie Mays came up into the major leagues, and he called him the Say Hey Kid. And despite, uh, I think the famous story about Willie Mays is I think he, he didn't get a hit for like six straight games. But uh, Leo DeRocher stuck with him, and the rest is history, as they say. But uh, nice guys do occasionally finish first. And I think that the thing that's great about Nick's, Nick Lindstrom is that he represented the Detroit Red Wings with such class, such dignity. I always said that the reason that I've really uh, become very fond of the Red Wings is that they win with class and they lose with class. And Nick Lindstrom, I think, represented all that's right about the Detroit Red Wing organization. And uh, they will certainly miss his uh, reliable, steady presence in the lineup it was interesting in the article, they noted that he had missed 11 games this year due to a bad ankle, and it was the most games he'd ever missed in his career. Another incredible thing about his career. Yeah, well, he plays. Uh, he played a very smart game, yeah. and it's a thinking man's position. And actually, it's a game that happens at such speed that uh, a lot of people look at the sport. There's a lot of physical contact and heavy hits, um, and, and sh think of it surely as uh, strength and uh, physical prowess, but it's actually a very intellectual game. Uh, it happens so fast. You have to know where people are, know what's going on uh, around you and, and on the ice all the way down to the other end, and Lidstrom was one of those players who was a few moves ahead. Yeah, that's the what they always board. said about Gretzky. So Gretzky could see the play before it happened. Yeah, and so that's part <laughs> of the reason his career was so long is he no. didn't get hit as often as other defensemen because he was aware of the, the flow of play. And uh, he'll definitely be missed. I think for people too young to remember the the career, the very short career of Bobby Orr, who is probably by all accounts the greatest defenseman in the history of the NHL. Uh, I would argue that Lidstrom is a better player uh, because not as uh, aggressive offensively as uh, is in the scoring. Uh, Bobby Orr would take the puck all the way down and score on these tremendous end-to-end -end plays. Uh, but Lidstrom's career was so much longer. Uh, he won four Stanley Cups. Well, uh, and I think that he personified the play of the Detroit Red Wings. He set the tempo, yeah, the tone, puck control, and steady the puck tone. control, not uh, uh, you know taking unnecessary chances, waiting for the play to develop. Right. Uh, and I think that uh, grace, I think, is the word that describes him the best. Um, and that's kind of an unusual word to use with hockey players, but yeah. I think that's what he had. Indeed. Uh, and uh, we'll see, of course, what this means for the future of that organization. Ken Holland, of course, one of the best general managers in the sport. Uh, there's all sorts of rumors underway about uh, overtures uh, to get Nashville's Ryan Suter uh, on board in Detroit, which would be a very good fit, but we'll just have to wait and see. 
Probably Zetterberg will be the next captain, I predict. Yeah, and I think that at least in Erickson, they've got a, a, a young defenseman that can uh, hopefully develop into even a better player than he's already been because he's got some uh, untapped skill that uh, I think we'll, we'll see next year when he steps up. Uh, all kinds of other uh, stuff in the news, of course. Uh, is is uh, Mitt Romney a unicorn? I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Mitt Romney, of course, wrapped up the uh, mathematical nomination last week when he won the Texas primary. So he is the nominee. Congratulations, Tim Mitley. Tim Mitley. The, the presumptive nominee has prevailed over a field of midgets. But since uh, some uh, political... At what cost? How much did he pay so far? Oh, he's uh, thrown in a lot of money, but... Uh... There's a lot more on the way because these Indeed. super PACs are gearing up. Scare, I mean, they're skewing the system in such wicked ways that it, it it's really almost becoming sick. It's interesting that tomorrow in Wisconsin they're going to have the yes. recall election. My hunch is, is that Walker will slightly prevail, but uh, that's be largely because of outside money. I mean, th this guy's got a $25 million war chest with lots of super PAC... Uh, commercials and i think that there is an element i mean first of all recalling governors has only happened three times in history mm. um one failed and of course the only one that succeeded was the um intervention of ken lay into the candidacy of Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> uh, and that uh, produced mixed results for the state of california um but uh the, the the reason that I mention this unicorn thing that's, I think, humorous is that uh, it will give a brain damage award to the Secretary of State of the State of Arizona. He created a, another uh, birth birther uh, incident over the week in which he said that he uh, was demanding to see birth certificates of Barack Obama from the state of Hawaii. And uh, he said that what motivated uh, him to do this was that he had received something like 5,000 emails regarding uh, this uh, inquiry. So, so it's got to be valid. Yeah, some clever guy in uh, of, uh, the state of Arizona created a Is Mitt Romney a Unicorn uh, movement in w which there were 25,000 <laughs> inquiries into the matter. <laughs> so stay tuned. Uh, Mitt Romney may indeed be a unicorn. One thing that I can guarantee you, he's if he does prevail as, uh, in the presidential election, which of course is unfortunately going to be very close and probably only nine or ten states are really in play. I don't think Michigan is, by the way, but Ohio certainly is. Uh, but uh, if he does prevail, he'll be the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, nice following that, uh, Richard Nixon, unicorn. Ronald Reagan, and George W. Bush, he can be added to the uh, Mount D Dimmore. Uh, we'll have to have a monument somewhere in the sewer system of uh, yeah. Austria, I think. <laughs> Question mark and the Austerians, yes. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, borrowing a column from Paul Krugman regarding the the, the word Austerian, mm. in which he, uh, I think it's from uh, Friday's uh, New York Times, really good stuff here. You know, well, he's in, thinking, he's uh, in London talking about why the global economy is, is, is uh, in this sluggish mode and why all the... Uh, 
Austerity is, is the problem because, as he quotes John Maynard Keynes, the boom, not the slump, is the right time for austerity. And that's indeed the way to do it. It seems logical. And when you have a weak job report uh, coming out, uh, as, as, as uh, happened over the weekend, and you hear uh, utter silence from Congress, they're not going to, obviously, not going to assist Barack Obama. Uh, his economic agenda in any way, shape, or form, since uh, they've obstructed uh, most of the ideas from day one. Uh, but they're just factually wrong. I mean, the economy is is still weak. Uh, weak growth numbers uh, continue to come out. But th- we're this is the United States of America. We're in a mature economy here. Uh, we're never going to have high growth uh, the way third world countries uh, perform economically. We're always going to have relatively slow growth at this point because of the size of our country and just the way our economy is is organized mm-hmm. it's very big it's very complicated but uh you know when you uh, dilly dally over over jobs bills like the uh, republicans in the house of representatives have been doing and you actually state as your goal uh, as uh, uh mitch mcconnell did defeating barack obama uh, you get an explanation for why uh this isn't going to, nothing's going to happen until right. after the election. And, of course, Mitt Romney's plan is just another dose of Reaganomics, George W. Bush economics, tax cuts for rich people, uh, big deficits for the government, and promised uh, budget cuts that probably won't materialize. <laughs> so I don't quite understand where he's going with his economic plan. His economic plan... Uh, most economists point out it's going to add $1.3 trillion more to the deficit. So even the deficit issue is phony. So they're really not even talking to the American people when they deliver this message. They're, they're really talking some sort of secret code language to the corporate overlords. Yeah, the super PAC people. Uh, the super PAC people where all the money and power are concentrated. And as you've said, this uh, skewing of the system by the so-called Citizens United, even the phrase by which we have to describe it, is appalling. Appalling. And, and An oxymoron. Yeah, utterly <laughs> fictional uh, oxymoron. Um, and yet that's the way the game has been restructured. And it's, you know... And frightening. Nothing, frightening and nothing's going to happen unless people speak out. Now, one promising thing about the Wisconsin recall is they're predicting uh, possibly as high as 65% of the electorate showing up tomorrow. I think that's at least a, a valid statement regarding the situation there but i think the unfortunate thing is first of all um there there are probably some people that normally wouldn't vote for scott walker uh in a normal election but may vote no on the recall because they don't agree with the concept of quote recalling the governor Uh, they believe more in the fair process of having the elections when we have them but i think that it's legitimate the recall of scott walker is legitimate from one big perspective scott walker when he ran for governor in 2010 did not discuss uh, massively overhauling the uh, entire uh, collective bargaining situation and wisconsin like michigan has uh, more union workers than most states Mm -hmm. that's why wisconsin and michigan uh, do a little better economically, actually, even though, you know, we've had trouble here in uh, Michigan over the years because of the uh, manufacturing problems. But uh, 
not not all is bad. Car sales actually continue to to improve, uh, and there even was some manufacturing growth in the last month's job report. Small, but where they're cutting the jobs is in the public sector. Right. So I don't see how you can complain about uh, the job performance of, of the Obama administration when it's quite clear that the numbers uh, on any graph that you look at, by the way, the Wall Street Journal never publishes these graphs. They like to stop the graph uh, right when Obama took over uh, with this implication that somehow he was responsible for this slump that was occurring in 2009. When Mitt Romney can't honestly talk about the business cycle while he runs for president, I, I don't regard him as much of a businessman. <laughs> and I don't understand why government's supposed to be run as a business anyway, which is going to be one of the big issues in the in the campaign. But uh, Yeah, people throw that uh, concept around all the time with regards to any kind of public spending, for example, schools. Uh, why isn't it run more like a business? Well, for a number of very simple reasons yeah uh that the end result of a business is uh to market a good or a service that uh you can make some money off of and create some jobs that's bottom line right bottom line there is no bottom line in school the purpose is to improve uh standards of living and to create uh enlightened citizens potential future voters and of course people prepared for an industrialized or uh, a technological workforce. And when we undercut the future by underfunding education, uh, we're really peeing down our own pant leg as yeah. a society. There's there's no other way to put it. Right. Uh, you don't gain anything from those sort of cuts. There's no money to be made in schooling, but there is money to be made in having uh, people who know how to live and work in a functional society. Yeah, and then when you have Mitt Romney discussing openly that he wants to increase defense spending while cutting taxes, we've seen this before. That's the old the, Reagan model. Yeah. This this is a complete failure. This creates deficits and job losses and deficits, and furthermore, the defense uh, spending is capital intensive, not labor intensive. Well, and furthermore, uh, there are hidden costs at every step of the way there in military yeah. spending, uh, especially with regards to the idea that, oh, well, we'll use the military to create jobs and we'll uh, have more people uh, stationed at bases all over the world. Well, those are jobs and building those bases is jobs. We saw this during the W regime of uh, sort of handing over uh, whole aspects of the military to private businesses right. who profiteered handsomely from setting up their little burger stands in the green zone. Uh, with, no, it, with no cost control or accountability. Absolutely. And it was just a sort of carte blanche to uh, profiteer off of the war. And uh, these aren't good jobs to begin with because uh, the look at all the, the vets returning with uh, injuries, ailments, uh, concussions, post-traumatic stress disorder. These are continued costs that will will go and linger for decades. And, of course, in Afghanistan, I think at one point we had more uh, contractors than actual right. military personnel. Well, the, what was while the, George Bush was asserting that we're going to smoke them out of their holes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we uh, air condition. <laughs> you know, the, the amount that the Pentagon was spending on air conditioning in Afghanistan alone was enough to run like every public school for a year. Well, and some of the reports on petroleum were unbelievable. The cost of getting gasoline to the front was uh, yeah. something like $2,500 a, a gallon. It was just 
mind-bogglingly wasteful. And, of course... Uh, so there is money out there, but it's just not really being applied properly. Some other quick brain damage awards. Let's give one to Thaddeus McCotter. Here's a guy running for re-election who... Mm. What? <laughs> I don't know what his role was in the... Uh, photocopying of signatures that were turned into the Secretary of State, but um, it seems that uh, this sort of fraud is far more prevalent than any voter fraud that uh, the Republican Party is working in 38 states on to restrict voting. Uh, very troubling there. Uh, McCotter, I think, has officially abandoned his write-in yes. campaign and has decided to gracefully exit. Well, hopefully he can go on to the rock and roll circuit. Because yep. as you will recall, uh, uh, he spent last year running for president in one of the quietest presidential runs in American history. One didn't exactly know what was going on there. Yeah, the pictures of him with the guitar, I hate to say it, bring to mind uh, a young Lee Atwater. <laughs> <laughs> the gong show. That's right. <laughs> uh, of course, the Edwards uh, trial. Um no surprise there. This uh, this was a show trial where there wasn't much of a show. Right. And there shouldn't have been a trial here. This was uh, pure political rubbish uh, orchestrated by a Republican in the Justice Department who's now running for higher office. We know that John Edwards was a center, and we should give him a brain damage award, not for his shenanigans. Well, shenanigans are bad enough, but we won't beat that dead horse yet again. I think that the real disgrace with John Edwards is the fact that he stayed in the race. Once this happened, he should have quit. Yeah. I don't know where this guy's been over the last 25, 30 years, but uh, Gary Hart uh, had to withdraw from his presidential run in 2000, and, uh, excuse me, in, uh, in uh, 1988 because of monkey business. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't any monkey business going right. on. There was a staged photograph by a Republican operative named Lynn Ombent that set up the date, had Donna Rice sit on Gary Hart's lap with the... Uh, flag of the boat. The, the flag of the boat, that monkey business. Yeah, that's uh, classic CIA stuff. And uh, Hart uh, wasn't paying attention to that <laughs> title. Stumbled into that photo op. But the real thing about the Edwards case that I think is, is very troubling, leaving aside John Edwards as a person and, and a presidential candidate, was that he, I think what's interesting about Edwards in retrospect is he stayed in the race long enough to allow Barack Obama to win. Uh, if he had gotten out when he should have, which was when this uh, unfortunate event happened. Oh, and I can't await the uh, announced memoirs that this woman's going to publish. What, what, what's she going to tell us? <laughs> well, it's also interesting how uh, quickly the... I uh, don't know. The media wanted to put the jurors on uh, all sorts of chat shows and People magazine and... Right. It's, 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 it's a further sensationalizing it. National Enquirer story yes. from day one. And, of course, the Enquirer exposed this long after Edwards had dropped out of the race. So right. the relevance of the story at that point uh, was sort of mystifying to me. Um, obviously, John Edwards, at least uh, in an announcing that he... Uh, had done wrong, as he put it. Uh, at least he was man enough to do that. But uh, he's, I, I think that historically speaking, what, what, what's interesting about the fact that he stayed in the race is I think if you go back and you check the data, 
This is what allowed Obama to get the margin of victory that he, that he ultimately got over Hillary Clinton. Mm. Not that I cared back then who won. Um, but uh, I think that's the historical relevance of John Edwards in the 2008 election. He was the blocking back for Barack Obama for a spell. And I think it skewed the election results. Um, that's my interpretation of, of his uh, candidacy. And I think that he made a terrible mistake uh, staying in the race because uh, for him to believe that this wouldn't come out eventually. <laughs> it's a dirty business. I don't know what you were thinking, dude. Yeah. So we'll just give you a brain damage award for being a, a Breck boy. <laughs> he does have that bouncing and behaving hair. Even though he may not behave. And, uh, of course, I noticed you got some stuff there on Syria, so I'll give yeah. John McCain and Joe Lieberman the uh, dynamic duo calling for war against Syria yet again. Uh, I don't know. The hothead and the mush mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, the mush mouth is retiring, and the uh, other other fellow is still looking for that space helmet because he's, he's badly in need of the space helmet. Beans are bulging, ready to pop. We need another war. <laughs> yeah, I'll give a brain damage word to uh, serious president Bashar Assad, who yeah. used a clumsy surgical metaphor to uh, defend his position. Now, of course, his professional training is as a dentist. I thought he was an ophthalmologist. An eye doctor? Oh, uh, yeah. It's either eye doctor or dentist. I, oh, I think it yeah. was eye doctor. Eye doctor. Uh, in any he's, event. He's blind either way. <laughs> He's blind either way, or uh, certainly his, his metaphor is awkward and unfortunate, where he says that a doctor performing messy emergency surgery does not have blood on his hands if, he's, if he is trying to save a patient. Well, if that were true, metaphorically speaking, then Assad would be trying to save the country of Syria, but clearly what he's trying to save is his ass. Yeah. And so when you have blood on your hands from trying to protect yourself... From accountability, from, you know, what government is supposed to be. And, of course, he inherits this position essentially from his father. The political machine of the uh, Ba'ath Party uh, has uh, had a permanent grip on uh, Syrian politics going back to 40 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's pretty much the system. Uh, like Mubarak was able to declare emergency rule for 30 years in Syria. It's just incredible. Uh, he's not trying to save his people. He's trying to save himself. And so uh, the bloody hands on the ophthalmologist or the dentist, whatever the case may be, uh, are, are bloody hands indeed. And there's no defense in uh, the Syrian government's response to these uprisings. Yeah, but of course, uh, the conservatives uh, in the last couple of weeks, and there's only one way to call it, that's what they are, is they keep advocating uh, for a military action uh, in the Syrian situation with very vague prescriptions about how Turkey can somehow take a bunch of refugees. I wonder if the conservatives, I'd, I'd take them seriously if they advocated the refugees move into Israel, <laughs> which seems... Like a, a, a more sensible uh, area for the refugees to go if we're going to take military action. But uh, complicating the region further with uh, another war. This is not Libya, as John Kerry wisely pointed out. These countries are completely different. 
Very, very different. In terms of geography, in terms of the size of the military, in terms of the number Sub-ethnic of Sub-ethnic cultures. Uh, it's just a very... Syria is like Lebanon almost, a tapestry of different culture groups. Yeah, and, and it would be very complicated groups. if, if uh, America went in... And this idea that uh, America must do this to, quote, maintain its leadership in the world, which is something I've been hearing the last couple of weeks from advocates of military action mm -hmm. in... Um, Syria, including from Lieberman and McCain, who uh, are... Uh, that day has passed. I mean, America never really had the right to be the world's cop. Uh, the famous Phil Oaks song, We Are the Cop of the World. Mm -hmm. um, of course, America enjoyed great prestige uh, and uh, gratitude from, from many parts of the world in the wake of World War II. Yeah. This was legitimate. Uh, but that was squandered. That political capital was squandered almost immediately by the national security state and the proxy wars of the Cold War. And if you look at most of the messes in the world today, they are the result of the proxy wars yep. that we've already been involved in. I'd like to remind John McCain and Joe Lieberman and other neoconservatives that keep advocating this policy that we've been in Afghanistan since 1979, uh, more than 30 years now. Yep. And what has it produced? Not much. Um, eventually, unfortunately, uh, probably following our departure from Afghanistan, because at least Barack Obama has seen the wisdom in the long term to see that we should get out and uh, at some point uh, completely out, is that the Taliban will probably uh, reemerge uh, in, in, in a quasi-civil war situation as uh, the government of Afghanistan. That's what we get for supporting radical Muslim terrorists from day one. So yep. this goes back to uh, poor, uh, muddy thinking from Brzezinski back in 79. And, of course, the policy in Afghanistan was massively escalated by Ronald Reagan. And Pakistan, of course, was the proxy. Um, Zia ul Haq uh, took over in a military coup. In fact, he executed his predecessor and... Uh, he was called a freedom fighter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Wrong again. So, uh, I, I, you know, there are no good options at the moment with Syria. Um, but I, I do think that uh, creating, uh, you know, I, I read an interesting thing a couple of weeks ago by uh, Arya Nair uh, in which he advocates... Um, at least uh, creating a war crimes court for Syria. He notes that if, Assad, if, if Assad's forces were sure to be punished, their crimes might stop. Hmm. Perhaps wishful thinking, but uh, uh, there are lots of massacres occurring around the world that um, the, you know, the U.S. government and the neoconservatives don't say much about. <laughs> so I, I'm a little unclear um, why military a action at this point is being discussed. The Arya Nair piece, by the way, appeared on the 5th of April 2012 in the New York Times. Uh, interesting, because he's been a human rights advocate uh, most of his uh, career and certainly has been published in The Nation frequently over the last uh, 30 years. And, of course, speaking of uh, so-called freedom fighters uh, whom Ronald Reagan once uh, compared to our own nation's founding fathers Adolfo Calero leader of the Contras died 
this last week at age 80. Of course, he was a big-time lobbyist for funneling money uh, to his Contra group, uh, which worked to overthrow uh, the popularly elected Sandinista government of Nicaragua in the mid-'80s. And guess who's the president of Nicaragua at the moment? Daniel Ortega. <laughs> uh, another victory for America in the Cold War. Right. And, and by the way, Ortega did step down when he lost the elections. Correct. Uh, proving all of Reagan's uh, propagandistic lies in the 1980s about the Sandinistas, whether you liked them or agreed with their policies or not. Right. That fact was wrong. Indeed. So, uh, yes, what do we get for our money? Nothing. Yeah. Well, he, I'm sure, has a Swiss bank account somewhere. Oh, yeah. And uh, bloody hands, non-surgery related. <laughs> He's, he was a businessman. Indeed. Yeah, and, I, and I heard it interestingly noted the other day that the two businessmen that we've had as president of the United States, uh, assuming that Mitt Romney uh, becomes the third, Herbert Hoover and George W. Bush. Put that in your, the front of your memory. <laughs> Put that in the pipe with your uh, synthetic marijuana and don't smoke it. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not a particularly good recommendation. No. Now, we've certainly had some incompetent presidents. Herbert Hoover, by the way, was a very competent person. He, was, he did wonderful work before he became president. Correct. Uh, in famine relief and organizing things uh, during World War I and other humanitarian disasters that uh, befell the world back then. But <laughs> if the two previous businessmen were Herbert Hoover and George W. Bush, I would keep that kind of quiet. That's not a ringing endorsement. <laughs> one produced the Great Re uh, Depression and the other one produced the Great Recession. And incidentally, on these job numbers, just for, for the record, if you go back and you check the actual long-term graph, you can see that there were clearly warning problems and mm -hmm. economic problems that went back to 2006. Job trends were going way down. Housing That's began to called the business falter. cycle. Yep. Uh, I hope Mitt Romney, uh, who seems to have an MBA from Harvard, uh, reviews his macroeconomic textbooks. <laughs> oh no, I sold those. But uh, John Maynard Keynes is uh, perhaps a chapter that he. Uh, missed so uh, it's uh, very interesting by the way to read this austerity agenda um, column by Paul Krugman that appeared in uh, uh, the first of June's uh, New York Times because he is actually reporting from London uh, there's probably a uh, some sort of a international economic uh, conference going on there that's probably why he's there he might be there as a tourist I don't know but uh, He's observing how um, the uh, Cameron uh, agenda in uh, Great Britain is not working terribly yeah. well. And he notes the irony that uh, Britain, of course, has their own currency and can do things regarding currency intervention that, uh, alas, the Greeks and perhaps the Spaniards cannot. Uh, he does note, by the way, in fairness to Britain's conservatives, they aren't quite as crude as their American counterparts. They don't rail against the evils of deficits in one breath and demand a huge tax cut for the wealthy in the other. Although Cam the Cameron government has, in fact, uh, recently cut the top rate. So, um, good stuff there. I, I, he even explains the, the uh, debt situation, I think, that uh, 
some people are way too alarmist about a lot of the debt is simply a transfer payment. It's money that's owed to other people. So haircuts are necessary sometimes. Indeed. Uh, As our station IDs, which we come up near the top of the hour, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling will be following this program at some juncture. Our faithful engineer, Andrew, is uh, beginning to seek out uh, information on that. Uh, Nice short column in Sunday's Free Press by Ron Jwankowski, uh, uh, noting the 50th 